The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. I have a very, very uh, amazing message that I am very excited to share with you. So if you have a Bible, open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 10. We're just going to be looking at the first four verses. The title of the message is, In the Name of Jesus. Would you say that out loud with me? In the Name of Jesus. And I want you to know, and hopefully by the end of this message, you will realize that you, you, not just me, or not just pastors, or ministers, or evangelists, or missionaries, or whatever, but you, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, have been given authority in the name of Christ, and that you can say in the name of Jesus, and God will do great and mighty things. Amen? Amen. So let's bow our heads and pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Thank you for all those who are here, right here, right now. And we welcome those who are watching, you know, joining us online, wherever they may be. Um, And may we hear what the Holy Spirit desires to share with all of us. Lord, more than knowledge, though it contains knowledge, more than information, though there is definitely new, fresh information, and your word, we pray that it will come alive. And Lord, may the seed of your word uh, blossom. May it take root. May it grow. May it become uh, healthy and fruitful and bear the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace, all the fruit of the Spirit in our lives for such a time as this. We ask all of these things in the worthy and precious name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Okay. We've only got, you know, I think three main points or whatever. So the first one is Jesus calls every one of us to be his disciples. You're not just a Christian. You're not just a believer. You're more than a follower. The biblical word for us is that we are disciples, and disciples are called. It says in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 10, and when he, Jesus, had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, if you have a pen or a pencil, I like to, you know, mark up my Bible. I want you to underline the word called. The kingdom of God is the kingdom of the called. The called are not just people that are called to do ministry stuff, but every son of God, every daughter of God, every individual child of God is called. So at this time, Jesus has been traveling, he's been going from village to village, sharing the gospel of the kingdom. Uh, teaching the people, demonstrating, you know, the the way, the truth, and the life, uh, delivering them from unclean spirits, and laying hands on the sick, and making prayers and commands, and sick people, and all kinds of sicknesses being healed. 
But now Jesus called his 12 disciples around him. And the reason that he called them is, he says, now you've been with me and you've seen me and you've followed me and you've believed me and you've been with me, but now I'm sending you right now. Not after, you know, when I raised from the dead and ascended heaven. Right here, right now, while I'm with you, I'm sending you to the next village there, the next village there, and he starts sending them out. And so there, this is the calling. What I want to try to do this morning is say, you know, a lot of times we study it and it's like, well, okay, that's cool. I believe that. And they did that with him then. I'm glad that I know that. And I believe that. But what I want to make the connecting dot to is what Jesus did with them then is what he wants to do with us here today. Okay? So um, he calls you and he calls me. Now, I put this scripture in your notes because in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, after Jesus has been with them for some time, three years almost, he goes, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret. And that is that you didn't really choose me, I chose you. So read John 15, verse 16 with me. Let's read that out loud. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. All right, so look, I've told my story, how I got saved, and I heard the gospel, and, and then they did an altar call, and I got up, and I made a choice uh, to walk forward and open my heart and invited Jesus into my life. So my early understanding of being a believer was I made a decision. And, of course, we all make decisions. A lot of hundreds of people made a decision last week. You made your decision whenever. But after you've come into the family for a little while and you become part of the community of the family of God, there's a time where you need to be let in on a little secret. Jesus chose you before you chose him. And he chose us when? Before the foundations of the earth were even created. He's known you from all of eternity. He's, wait, you know, he's eternal. Finally, then God made the universe and then waited a long time. Then you popped up and came along. And then you responded to him. But you need to know he knew you, has known you, been looking forward to your life and is thrilled that you are finally here and your choosing him was merely responding to him choosing you. So it's very, very interesting. And Jesus now calls these uh, disciples. A disciple is, is a learner. Now, this was not modeled uh, merely after the Greek structure of learning, which was primarily the transfer of information. You know, there's Greeks and philosophy, and they had some pretty smart guys. And they would get all this knowledge, and they philosophize about things, and they would get pupils and students, and they would give them their knowledge and their philosophizing and their thinking and their information, and, and then those pupils would grow up, and then they would become teachers, and they would get other students, and so it would go on like that. But the Jewish model of learning, it did include the transfer of information, but it was deeper than that. It was more than that. It was about the transformation of life. And interestingly, it's not like, uh, you know, random, you know, Jewish people could just say, man, I really like Rabbi so-and-so. 
I'm going to go be with that guy and learn from him and be his disciple. It was the other way around. The rabbi chose who the disciples would be, who the students would be. So that's where you and I are in. And then the, the, the rabbi at that point, he would say, so here's how we're going to learn. You're leaving your home and you're going to come stay with me. Literally like all the time, every day. You're going to, where I sleep, you're going to sleep. Where I eat, you're going to eat. And I want you to follow me, learn from me. I'm going to teach you, but more than teach you, I'm going to model for you. And then I want you not only to learn what I say, but I want you to do what I do. So that's where you and I have been put together to follow Jesus. We're literally to stay at the feet of Jesus, to follow his heels. The rabbis had a saying, let your house be a meeting place for the rabbis and cover yourself in the dust of their feet and drink their words thirstily. The idea was that a good disciple is the one that is as so close to the rabbi's feet wherever he goes that the dust he kicks up, you want the dust of the rabbi on you. So guess what? Jesus wants you to follow him so close you get the dust of the glory of the presence of the risen Lord all over you. Can I hear an amen on that? So close. Stay at the feet of Jesus. Now, so that's the calling. We're all called to be that. So it's not just, you know, Peter and John and James and all of them and Mary and Martha, but it's you and I today. That's how it was intended to work from the beginning. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, then he gave them power. Underline in your Bible that word power. We're going to drill down on that word. And this is a life change in the book of Matthew and the gospel. And we're going to, this is a a foundation that we are laying here this morning, that Jesus is laying with the disciples and with us, therefore. And we're going to build on this the whole rest of the way through the Gospel of Matthew. And my goal, and, and I believe that the, the, the goal of the Holy Spirit is whenever we get done with the Gospel of Matthew, you will be an absolutely, you will not be the same person that you were before. You will be literally a transformed person following so closely the feet of Jesus, the dust of the glory of his presence will be all over you. (laughs) Amen? So Jesus gives authority and power, listen, for healing to his disciples. It was very important for them to declare the message of the kingdom. So, uh, you know, I'm a note taker. I love to take notes. So either write it down physically which, you know, I'm always saying, write this down or whatever. And I, for when I was a young guy and listening, you know, to Chuck Smith or whatever, I would write notes. And, and I still have my notes that I heard from him way back when. And they say there's something about when you hear something, you see something, you write something, it just, it just goes deeper. But even if you don't physically write it, write it, write it in your brain, Okay. Uh, I want you to write, think this word. I want to plant the word declare into your minds. Everybody say declare, declare. That's the first half. You have something, if you're saved and you're a disciple, you have a testimony about Jesus who saved you, who loves you, who delivered you, who is your life, and we are to declare that. 
That's the first half. But it is also imperative that we not only declare God's message, but that we demonstrate the power of God and that it be manifest to confirm the reality of the message we're sharing is real. It's legit. It's supernatural. It's from God. There are many messages that people are walking around, you know, many philosophies, uh, many paths, many ways, many spiritualities. So we're kind of one message among, you know, a variety of messages. What makes our message unique and different? Well, obviously, the resurrection makes it different. But it's not just that it happened as a historical fact long ago. Uh, it, it is something that changes the world to this day. He is a living Savior, a risen Savior. What he did way back then, he still does today, for he is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. He is alive and he is risen. So the second word I want you to write down is demonstration. Not only as a disciple are you called to declare what you know and as you grow in the Lord, but there needs to be not only for your family, your friends, and others in your life, but for you there needs to be a demonstration of the power of God, and that that's what makes this message rise above all the others so that Jesus can say, I uniquely am the way, the truth, the life, no man comes unto the Father unless he comes through me. So Jesus is saying, so here's how I'm going to give you power, delegated authority, in order to demonstrate that what I'm saying is legit, that it's real. Uh, And so they were to receive Jesus' authority over the afflictions of mankind, both body and spirit. So here in your notes, I put the word used here in our English Bibles is power. The Greek word is exousia. And what does that, what does that mean? So, you know, I'm giving to you these other words in this paragraph are from what's called a Strong's Concordance, which if you don't have, I highly recommend. You can, you can for yourself look up any verse and any word that you kind of want, I like that word. What does that, what does that mean? So a concordance gives you other words, more words, to describe the one word. It gives you more layers. So that's what I've written down here, exousia, because this is a big deal, what Jesus is giving to these disciples, what I believe he's giving to you and I. That word means privilege. I like that. I'm into privilege. That's cool. Ah, but look at the second word, force. Ooh, force. That's why it's translated power, capacity. There's a new capacity that has been passed on to us. And then mastery. This is something that, again, it is superlative. It is supreme. It is unique. It's above all the rest. And then another word that is used is superhuman. And right now, you know, in the movies, they're spent, you know, they make these hundred million dollar movies. And the ones you know, that seem to do the best for whatever reason are all these movies about people that have superpowers, right? You know, but it's not real, and it's a lot of CGI, and it kind of looks cool, but what is this human kind of, I'm, you know, talking to human beings, they got this fascination with superhuman. 
Because I'll tell you why. Eternity, if we, and it's true, were made in the image and after the likeness of God, there's something superlative inside. We realize we're being limited. We got a ceiling on us from what we were originally created for. Things are not the way they always were. We're constantly wanting to reach beyond. Uh, the, you know, the biblical term for it is supernatural. And we, you know, the whole uh, kingdom of heaven is supernatural. It's got angels, there's a big battle going on, and we're going to get into finding out how we can take advantage and win every single... This is the good news. You're in a battle. And, and if nobody's told you that, man, let me just tell you, we're in a battle. Um, and it's going to be ongoing for the rest of your life till we get to heaven. But I'll tell you this. When you learn how to fight in God's way, with God's word, with God's tools, with God's n- and knowledge of who you are and who your identity is in Christ, you win every single time in the name of Jesus. Every single battle. Very, very cool. Token of control. Wow. Yeah, God's on the throne. He is in control. And when we get into alignment with his authority and power, that comes. And then lastly, delegated influence. So let me put it another way. This authority or power we have is the legal right to do the things Jesus commanded us to do. I I want to... I want to underline that. I want to say it again. I I want you to write it down, maybe in your own words. But this power we have, and this is the phrase I want you to catch, is the legal right to do the things Jesus commanded us to do. The power he has given us is the operation of the Holy Spirit in us. So, you know, we're talking about the kingdom, and you've probably heard a lot about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, you know, when the, the disciples realized, man, Jesus got this secret source of power, and it comes from his prayer time. Teach us to pray. Okay, glad you guys finally asked. Pray like this Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to know that heaven is, is more than just clouds with fat babies and little tiny wings. You know, you've seen those pictures. There's a lot more going on. Heaven is a kingdom. And there are rules in that kingdom. Uh, and, and there are legal rights within the spiritual realm. Now, there's a whole thing going on in heaven where there was a war that took place, a rebellion, before we even came along in the angelic realm. The good news is there are two-thirds of the angels remain loyal and faithful to God. In any battle you're in, you must know that there are twice as many with you, for you, and behind you as there are opposing you. Always. They're outnumbered and outsmarted and outpowered. But everything in the supernatural realm, because it's going on all around us. Uh, We don't see it. We feel the effects of it. We're getting bopped around, and sometimes people don't know, and many younger believers that haven't been taught the Word or to grow, you need to grow to the level where you kind of start figuring out, so that finally, somebody told me what's going on. There's a warfare going on. I got to wake up. 
And what do I do? So here's what I want you to know. You, it's a legal world in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, there's legalities. And when you know what is your rights legally, here's the deal. The enemy is, you know, he, he steps on ground that is not his. But he takes it because nobody else is doing anything with it. And he's a robber and a thief. And he steals and robs and kills and destroys. He's there, chomp, you know, stomping around. And he acts like and says, it's mine, da 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 But the reality is, no, it, it belongs to the Lord. It's kind of like the promised land. You know, God said, go in there. Yeah, but there's already people there. And he goes, yeah, but they're not there legally. You have the legal right. What they're doing uh, is under judgment now. The paganism, the you know, the demonic stuff, the sacrifice of children, they're, they're there illegally. So you got to go in though, and you got to put your foot on it and step on it and claim it. And I'll be with you and I'll give you victory and I'll give you deliverance. And I'll put the fear and the dread of uh, you in them because of my glory and what I'm going to do. And they will have to yield and flee and leave. It's yours. But until you put your foot on it and claim it in my name, you can't have it. Does that make sense? What was true then as a metaphor is true in our daily lives. And many of us are living in a very small little territory. I, I just, you know, I'm just hanging on to my little corner until I die and go to heaven. But there's a lot more that God has for us. How many are ready for a little bit more than what you've had? So you need to know your legal rights. And then you can go in legally in the name of Jesus and go, no, you don't belong here. You are standing illegally on turf, bought and paid for by my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Get out now. Bye-bye. And you're out. And it changes, it changes the game. So we must understand the power of this supernatural healing resides within us who are filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't heal anybody. But it's not just you anymore. There is someone, not just something, but someone inside of you called the Spirit of the living God. The Holy Spirit is equal to God. He has all the capacities of God. He's omniscient, omnipresent, uh, and, and he's able to, so he can heal people, and he's in you. So we need to learn how to let him flow and be released in us. It is true the power does not originate with us. It comes from God. But it comes to those who are filled with the Spirit of God, and the will of the Spirit of God is to be released in us and through us to deliver people from demonic lies, strongholds, and illegally held ground and also from diseases and, and to bring healing and blessing. Now, what's interesting, so we've been doing that. You know, if you've come here for the last year or so, you know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on this journey where the Lord said, okay, start praying for people. We pray for people every week, you know, that come forward, we lay hands on them and the pastors and the elders, and we do that. But he said, why don't you pray for people on communion? Um, and then get everybody to pray and everybody engaged in that. We've begun seeing remarkable things. Um, I, you know, I just, a, a lady, you know, I was talking about these very things last night, and I shared that, and a lady came up to me, and she was so excited. I want to share a testimony with you, Pastor Ray. And I said, great, what? She goes, I have this immune deficiency thing. And I went to the doctors, and they, my numbers, and she, I don't know, gave some little names of, I don't know what it was, but these numbers, and they're down, and they, there's really not a whole lot they can do about it. So they're doing what they can. They said, but we can't really change it, but we can help you to 
kind of live with it. And so anyway, so I came to church and I was, boom, I stood up and I had, you know, people pray for me and lay hands on me and claim everything else. She goes, all of a sudden, my numbers started going boop, 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 boop. And all of a sudden they were normal. And they're like, what are you doing? She goes, I'm praying. And they're like, well, keep doing it because it's working. So things like that. Now, we are not to, look, there's a time to pray and intercession and to ask and to request, and we're to make our petitions known to the Lord. But there are also other situations that, that we don't need to uh, beg and plead and complain about problems. And I think that sometimes we think we're praying, but what we're really doing is we're begging God to do something. We're pleading with Him to do something. You're all big and you're God and you're powerful and I don't see you doing this or that and we kind of complain to him and we don't see a lot of results in our prayers because you're not really praying with faith or exercising your authority in Christ. There's no faith in that. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So one expression of faith, you remember Jesus told the, you know, the story that Centurion, he's not even a Jewish guy, and he goes, hey, uh, Yeshua of Nazareth, uh, I know you're a holy man and, and, and that God is with you and I have a servant who is sick, and Jesus goes, wow, Gentile, Roman soldier is calling me to his house, okay, I'll come. And he goes, no, 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 no. Uh, you don't need to come to my house, you don't need to be there physically with him. I'm a man of authority like you, and I'm a, I'm a commander. I tell a guy, you go. He better go. I tell him, another guy, you better come. He comes because I have authority. You in the spiritual realm have authority. Whatever you say, whatever you speak, whatever you command can happen. And Jesus was like, wow. I, none of the Jewish people understand faith like you. And then Jesus did. He didn't go physically there. He gave a command. And when he gave the command, the certain turn said, that's all I need. He went home. And when he got home, his servant was healed at the same hour that Jesus gave the command. That is faith. So then I wrote this little paragraph in your deal. In the name of Jesus, we can, with the power, and in the name of Jesus, begin commanding sickness and pain to leave. We are not the healers. It's in God's hands. He does what he wants, how he wants, whenever he wants, but at least we can actually begin exercising faith and commanding healing to take place in Jesus' name. So that's what I've been started doing. And then the Lord said, well, don't just you do it, but begin modeling for other people to command sickness to leave, to command disease to leave, inflammation, pain, darkness, and then depression or unclean spirits to leave. So my, it's just made a subtle little change in the way I've been sharing and teaching. Have you noticed? So this last weekend, it's Easter weekend, right? And so, you know, we want everybody to come, bring their families or whatever. And there was some guy that called. I don't know his name. I haven't met him, but he called. We, we have someone there that's answering the calls, help people if they want to know how to get to the church, whatever. He goes, oh, I just, I just wanted to tell Pastor Ray that I've been going through a very, very difficult time very difficult time, and I was actually, today, I was going to end my life. This is, like, this is Easter Sunday. I was going to just take it and say, I'm done, I'm out, I can't handle it anymore. And then I remembered I had visited your church like some years ago, and I thought, well, 
Maybe at least the last thing I could do is go on Easter and see what's all. And then I went, and then Pastor Ray spoke about darkness and depression and the enemy and how it's the devil trying to rob you. And he goes, it clicked, and he goes, I want to know. I got up, and I walked forward, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So that is powerful. The Word of God is powerful. And then speaking uh, to the bodies. You know, I've, <laughs> I've been praying, Lord, in the name of Jesus, strengthen the immune system. Make it alive. Make it healthy. Let it do what it was designed marvelously to do. Uh, you're praying in agreement with how God designed us in the physical realm. Um, and, and I believe that God hears. And, I, and in fact, you know, Ezekiel, you know, God said, speak to the bones. And the bones listen to his words. So we can speak to the bodies and, the, you know, the nerves, the ligaments, tendons, bones, cartilage, muscles. In the name of Jesus, may they, you know, be restored. May they be healed. May they come into the alignment that God has and whole in Jesus' name. Now, there's a story in the book of Acts. Um, let's see. Did I give you that one? Oh, I forgot to give you that one, didn't I? So Jesus gives authority and power and healing uh, to his disciples. I wanted to go to Acts chapter 3, verse 6. This is after the resurrection. And um, so Jesus has already risen from the dead. He's already appeared for 40 days. He's ascended up into heaven. Then Pentecost comes on the 50th day in Acts chapter 2. Shortly after that, after Pentecost... So Jesus is gone. He's up in heaven. And after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has fallen. Peter and John are going into the temple. And on the day they're going into the temple, there's a lame guy. And the lame guy is saying, alms, alms, you know, have some mercy, have some compassion. I'm lame. I can't do anything. Could you give me some? So look what Peter says and does. Acts chapter 3, verse 6. Let's read this out loud. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the man got up and he went walking and leaping and praising God. Now, what, what's interesting, I may have read that story. I love that story. I believe that story. The guy that walking, leaping, praising God. Because, you know, that was Peter and John, and they were with Jesus but I never connected it to, you know, me. So what, what would I have probably done? Probably, you know, in the past, I would have said, oh, man, there's that lame guy, and I, I'm a Christian, and I have a heart for him. I'm going to give him some coins, you know. I've, I got, I'll find something and give him a couple of coins. And then I might even be wanting to pray for him. He's lame. He can't walk. And I would, you know, kind of the old ways, I, I would, Lord, look at this poor guy. He's just, he can't walk, and... And, you know, he's, he's uh, one of your Jewish children, and he's lame, and he can't do anything for a living, and I've showed him compassion, and you love him, and he's just, he's not feeling that good, and could you just bless him and help him? And, Lord, I don't know, just, I just love this guy and just want him to know your love for him. Amen. And then he go, thank you very much, you know, thank you for that, and then walk away. What I find interesting is that, and there's nothing wrong with that prayer. That's a great prayer. But I like what Peter did. And I, and I see Peter, Jesus, he's realizing the spirit of Jesus is on me. The spirit of Jesus is in me. The spirit of Jesus is looking through my eyes. I'm in Christ. Christ is in me. And he sees that guy. 
And he walks up to him and says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give everything. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He gave a word. He gave a command. And in that command, the man was touched supernaturally and he was healed. Now, he was in the spirit. He was led by the Lord to do that. And that, that's a supernatural case. But I began to realize more times than not, I'm, you know, praying that God will do something rather than actually exercising faith and speaking to a person's situation. Amen? So, I love this. Uh, Jesus is the Savior. Therefore, He alone uh, could die for our sins. He alone could rise from the dead. Um, but then He left. The world is still not saved. There are many continents He has not visited. There are many homes who have not yet heard. And Jesus leaves after three years. And he gave it to his disciples. And those then were to go out and make other disciples. Peter preached, and then 3,000 people got saved. Now the church just went boom. Now there are 3,000 people that can go out. And that has happened from person to person, home to home, generation to generation, for 2,000 years. And so here we are today. Now, I am praying for, uh, what's our word for the year? Fire. All right. That that was a meager expression of that word fire. So I want you to say fire, you know, take a deep breath, relax, get ready. I want you to say fire and say it with a little passion. Ready? Because this is what I'm praying for. This is what you're praying for. If you're going here with me, we're praying for revival. Not just Maranatha. I mean, I love Maranatha. I want it to, you know, go crazy. But I want more than that. I want, I want to rock. I want because I know we got a big God. I want him to rock San Diego so hard that they just, they don't know what else to talk about. It's like, what, man, what in the world is coming to San Diego? Jesus. Amen? So on the count of three, I want you to say fire and mean it. One, two, three. Fire. 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 But here's the deal. It's not, just, it's not just about, you know, wow, let's get more people to come to church. It's about you being sent out as disciples where you are and beginning to just be led by the Lord and, and, and pray with faith as God leads you. And God will do great and mighty things which we know not. Um, you know, big and small, God is doing great things. He's touching people, healing people. Okay, last point. <clears throat> Jesus sent them out as apostles to activate their faith. Beginning of verse 2. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these first. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, Lebius, whose nickname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Here, the disciples are called apostles, meaning ones sent out. Now, while this is true, they're sent out, the, the, the Jewish word is even a deeper meaning. In the Jewish world, an apostle, in Hebrew it's shaliach, was not just sent out, but was actually considered a direct representative of the one who sent him. Such a one has the authority of the sender. This term apostle is very strong 
And in context, demonstrates Jesus was designating these 12 men to be his personal representatives from now on on the earth. That now applies, I believe, to you and I. There are four different lists of the apostles in the New Testament, and in these lists, Peter is always mentioned first, Judas Iscariot is always mentioned last, but there are always the two pairs of brothers that are always mentioned, Peter and Andrew, James and John. Not only is this the family of God, but God loves families within the family of God. The main feature of the list is its diversity. Simon the Canaanite here in Luke is called Simon the Zealot. The Zealots were, you know, very political, extremely patriotic, hated the Roman government and Roman army, and were willing to die or be martyred to get rid of them. Matthew was, on the other hand, a Jewish guy considered to be a traitor, one who had sold out. His thinking was, yeah, I'd like the Romans to be gone too, but there are way more of them than there are of us, so I'm just going to, you know, get as much money as I can. Had Simon and Matthew met under different circumstances, no doubt Simon would have probably killed Matthew. So it's a good thing when Simon and Matthew were brought to the first meeting, Jesus was there between them. (laughs) But I think what it shows is that Christ is able to take people from many different backgrounds, even opposing backgrounds, and bring us together in loving fellowship. Can God bring a Democrat and a Republican together in Jesus? Apparently so. And as much as I believe that we are to be engaged uh, with, you know, uh, on one level to, with what's happening, are involved in culture, and we are to be salt and we are to be light, uh, ultimately, I believe what supersedes all of that for us as sons and daughters of God is the kingdom of heaven. That's what we serve. Everything else fits in underneath that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.